haven't met you before, my name's Tim, and, and we're in the middle of a series at the moment on freedom. Um, so what we're going to do tonight, this is, this is the third week in four. Um, how's that? Can you guys see me right there? Is it good? Cool. Um, so we're in the third week of four, and um, I want to just bring you like up to speed with what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, because last week, if you were here, you remember I kind of left you... Uh, with a cliffhanger kind of ending, like you're kind of waiting for the next instalment. It's not like Netflix where it like happens straight away, like you had to wait a whole week. So like it's finally here, don't worry. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about this problem that we kind of came to at the end of last week and, and then go through that. Um, and hopefully it can be really helpful in our understanding of freedom. A lot of what I'm sharing with you tonight is based on some stuff by a guy named Larry Crabb, who's a Christian psychologist and teacher, and he's just had some awesome stuff. So a lot of it I've gotten from him as well. So, what we said, oh, are you able to click on to, how's that? That's awesome, cool. Um, what we said in the first week, right, is we're talking about freedom, and we said this, this quite exclusive statement that there's only freedom in Jesus. And that's not me saying that, that's Jesus saying that. That Jesus came and he said, anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. He says that, he, that everyone is a slave except for him, but who he sets free is truly free. And whoever lives as his apprentice and follows him can know true freedom. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 8. So, so we kind of looked at that and said that we, we can believe and know Jesus and he can save us. And then we live a life following him, abiding in him, and we, we know the truth and the truth sets us free. But then we said that, well, we have to be careful in doing that because sometimes we can approach following Jesus as like having to follow rules and having to follow law. And, and some people think of that when they think of Christianity, that it's just about doing the right thing, it's just about behaving, it's just about following the rules. But then we said last week that we're actually free from law. We looked at how there's this law in the, in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant that Joel was talking about before, that Jesus has fulfilled it. And now we don't live by, by law. We don't live saying, what should I do? What's the right thing? What do I have to do to please God? Now we actually have a new heart with God's law written on it. We have his Holy Spirit and we actually live out what we truly want to do. And this, this is getting into sort of ground that sounds kind of strange, right? To, to say, actually, you can just do what you want? Like that, that starts to sound like, oh, I don't know if that's right. And what we were saying was, instead of asking, what should I do? What's the right thing to do? We say, we're now free to say, as a, as a loved child of God, as someone who loves God and loves people, what do I truly want? want to do. And we, we get to do that. We're free to do that. That's how we can decide what to do. But then the problem we came up with last week, the dilemma, is what do you do when what you really want to do is clearly wrong? When, when you think and you think, I, I know I'm loved by God, but, but what I want to do is clearly sin or is clearly not loving or is clearly not good. Now, there's kind of two options and we're kind of on a bit of a cliff. You can kind of imagine a cliff here. We're like right on the edge of it. And, and one option would be to jump off the cliff and to, and to just say, it's all right, I can just do what I want and go into sin. And we're going to say, that's not a good option. But the other option is kind of to go back away from the cliff and come back to the law and say, well, I just should do the right thing. And that's also not a good option. So what do we actually do? How do we, how do we stay free 
but not go to one of those two extremes? That's what we're going to try and answer tonight. So what I want to do is, is just talk through those two options again and kind of make them really clear. And then I'm going to present you with this third option that's probably going to sound really strange to start with, but hopefully it'll make some sense as we go through. I've just got to turn around to look at the screen tonight, so sorry, sorry about that. So that's the dilemma. What about when what you want to do is clearly wrong? So option one, you're standing on this edge, right? Like I've said, we can live from our heart. We can live what we want. When what you don't want to do is wrong, option one is to say, party on. We can do what we want. Like, it's all good. There's grace. We just jump off the edge. We can sin. God will forgive us. It doesn't matter. It's all good. That's option one. I want to be really, really clear. I'm not saying that is a good option. That's, that's not good. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's, 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 it's a misunderstanding and abuse of God's grace. It's, a, it's an abuse of the freedom that we've been given. So we want to be able to enjoy the freedom we've been given, but not abuse it. So I just, I just want to be really clear on that so you don't think that I'm saying that, that, that just because of grace, you can just do what you want. You can just, just, just go, just, just party, like just go, whatever. Like that, that's sort of the edge, and that's jumping off the cliff. Now, the reasons why that's not good, the reasons why this is not a good option, Paul talks about this in Galatians. He says, for freedom... You are called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And this is this idea, your freedom is not there for you to go back to sin. Your freedom's not there to, to, to indulge in desires that are not good, but it's this freedom to be able to love. And if we remember back to the first week as well, Jesus said that those who commit sin are a slave to sin. And Paul talks about this in Romans, that what we give ourselves to will grow. So if we give ourselves back to sin, it will lead to more sin. If we give ourselves to goodness and righteousness, it will lead to more. So this option is not a very smart option. It, it, it leads to slavery. As well, we, we, we know God will forgive us and there is grace, but there will still be consequences and it will still hurt people. And as well, if, if we dive in and go down this path, we might also run into God's discipline. That, that he loves us as a father loves a child, and he will discipline us to bring us back to the right path. So this option one is not a good option. This is, you probably have heard this before in Romans. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? This is like saying, if God is so full of grace, if God's so forgiving, shouldn't we sin more, and then he can just forgive us more? And Paul says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? He's very clear, that is not what I'm saying. That is not a good option at all. So that's option one, indulgent sin. And the problem is, again, it leads back to slavery. And, and, and it, 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 that Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and we're wanting to walk in freedom. The thing, though, we said, right, if we're on the edge and we can't jump off the edge, we kinda, it's easy to be worried about being close to the edge. Like when you have, have cliffs around the place, right, most of them now have like a railing to, to sort of protect. Like a lot of people want to get under there, a lot of kids especially want to get under there and like get right to the edge and like push the boundary. But often, often people like want to, want to have, a, have a boundary and say, let's stay behind this because this is safe. And particularly in, in the church, we can be like that. Like we're on a fine line, what we're talking about tonight. And that's a bit dangerous. So what we do is we say, well, we don't want to be too close to danger. So let's just back away and stay here where it's safe. But when we do that, we can end up back here at law. We say, I don't really trust myself to do good. Maybe I should just come back here and do what's really right. And it kind of looks a bit like this. You might have this sort of internal person in you 
when you think about what you really want to do, if you think it's not right, you think, well, you should do the right thing. This is what the Bible says. This is what God says. This is what people say. You need to do it. You should do it. It's right. Just do it. And that brings us back to law, right? It brings us back to this external standard that you're doing it because you have to, not because you want to. And what we said last week is that this doesn't work. That this actually often will even inflame sin more. Like when someone gives you a rule, it kind of makes you not want to follow it. And as well, this, this kind of just leads to guilt and fear and kind of can draw us into ourselves instead of love. I, I, um, I was, I've said this before to you guys. Like I was a really good kid at school. Like I didn't get in trouble much. I got like two detentions. And, and I lived here, right? Like I lived following the rules. I lived doing the right thing. But a lot of it, pretty, probably pretty much all of it, was guilt and fear. Like it wasn't love. I didn't want to get in trouble, I didn't want to be noticed, so I did the right thing. And it's not freedom, and it's not love. And this, this can be really hard when, when we feel sort of guilt or fear, like to just go into this place of just do the right thing so that you're okay. But this is, this is also not a good option. This is what Paul says in Galatians, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I, I, I've been challenged by this. Like it's, it's, it's easy to sort of think like, Yes, sin is definitely bad, but it's easy to think, well, no, just, just sort of doing the right thing and, and staying here, that's, that's probably okay. And, and, and I, I, I'm like that a lot, like struggle with guilt and, and fear, but it's like, well, no, Jesus died for this. We need to live in freedom. Like We need to keep moving on to this place. So go back to law. Trying to come back to this place of safety again leads to slavery that Jesus set us free from. It's not an option. So these two options, I hope you can see, are really clear. They're not good. We don't jump over the cliff. We don't back, go back behind the guardrail to law. So then what do we do? And I give you a solution that's going to sound really strange and it's going to need a bit of explaining, but I found this really, really helpful. This is what you do. You remember the hole in your ear. Okay, I told you it sounds strange, right? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I don't have a hole in my ear. One, one lady in the morning service this morning um, touched her ear and she realized she'd forgotten one of her earrings, so she did have a hole in her ear. She's like, oh, I do have a hole in my ear. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to read you some verses. These, these are from Exodus. So this is Exodus 21, and there's some, some verses about slavery in the Old Testament law. And it's, this is very interesting, this concept of slavery and freedom. And I just want to talk through this. I'm going to talk through this sort of thing, a concept, then apply it to Jesus and following Jesus and some other things, and then we'll try and work out what can we do to still stay in a place of freedom when we have this sort of dilemma. Now, as I talk about slavery, if, if you sort of haven't heard this, the, the Bible, what the Bible says about slavery before, it's not like modern slavery. It's not like slavery where people get stolen and put into slavery forever. This was that people who, who couldn't afford to pay debts or, or couldn't afford to live could sell themselves as slaves. And there were actually lots of laws to protect slaves and look after them. And that's what we're going to look at one of them now. So this is Exodus 21. It says this, Now these are rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and the seventh year he shall go out free for nothing. Okay, So slavery cannot last for life. The max is six years, and they go out free. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out alone. 
So whatever he comes with, he gets to go with. If his, if his master has given his daughter or someone else to, to be uh, his wife, they, they, they get to stay. They'll have to stay. Now, this is really interesting. This is what the next... Oh, so firstly, this, this, this going free is not just like kicking out. Like it's, it's truly being set free. Like the, the master is actually to give them things, to, to give them enough to get by, to support them, to care for them. So they're truly set free. But if the slave says... I love my master, my wife and my children. I will not go free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorposts. And his master shall bore his ears through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. So imagine this, like someone serving as a slave for six years, and then they're truly set free. They, they have the things they need. They can go and live and do what they want. But when they think about what they want, they realize, I love my master. I love my family. I love living here. I love everything I need is with him. He is the one that I want to be with. He is the one I want to serve. I want to stay. But it's from a place of love. And he chooses in love to stay and then becomes a slave for life. And the sign that he's become a slave for life is that he goes to the door and they, they use a piercing instrument to pierce a hole in his ear. And this is the sign that he is now a slave for life. Do you know, this is, I just, this is just a side comment. So just, you can feel free to completely disagree with what I'm saying now. And I could be completely wrong. But I, when I was reading this this week, I found it interesting in myself how I responded to this. And you might even be responding this way now. You might be thinking, well, that seems kind of full on. Like, why not just another seven years? Like, what, like if, he, if he likes it that much, shouldn't you just be like, let's just do a little bit more and see, make sure you like it, and then, then you can go free again, then maybe just a little bit more. And I was thinking about, like, does that just, like, the, uh, that's what I was thinking, does that just reflect sort of our culture and just the, the, the low value we have on commitment and the high value we have on options? And, I, and I, I, firstly, I was thinking maybe this is like the master, like he can go or he can stay and then he just has to stay. But maybe this law was actually for the sake of the slave. Maybe it's the slave that actually wanted to stay forever. And this law is to actually give the slave what he wants, that he wants to be with his master forever. And then that's, that's, that's this sort of clause that is there. I'm not sure about the reasons behind that, but it's really interesting. This is what we're talking about right now is this idea of being free from something, but then being free to do something with your freedom. And this is what Paul says in this verse we read last week in Romans, right? That we're free from the law, but we're actually free to something. We're actually free to Christ. This is what he says. You've died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who's been raised from the dead. And this is what we said the first week as well, that, that true freedom is found in living and following Jesus. And that's what this, this is saying, right, is that, that we also have been set free, but we get to choo freely choose to follow Christ and to actually be his slave, that this is actually a place of freedom. You know, Paul, who's been talking so much about freedom in Romans, has been talking so much about freedom in Galatians, he, it's just such a high value for him. This is how he identifies himself at the start of Romans. This is what he says. I, Paul, am a devoted slave of Jesus Christ. Like that, those two things don't really go together in our minds often, right? Someone can be free and be a slave. But, but Paul has freely chosen to be a slave of Christ. That is what he wants. 
he realized that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the true King. Jesus has everything that we want. He is the good, true Master, and there's actually freedom in giving up our freedom for the sake of love and following Him and loving Him. And I was getting excited as I was reading and thinking about this this week, and it was strange, and I feel like it's, like, it's almost like we don't really feel like we have the freedom to do that. Like, like we have so many freedoms, right? We have so many options. There's so many choices all the time, and they can kind of be overwhelming sometimes. Like we always need to be open to new things, and what's, what's another way we could do things, or how could we change things? But the idea of having a freedom to commit and love for life that, that, that sounds a bit strange, but is actually incredibly freeing. That we can say, actually, I've decided I'm a slave of Christ. Jesus is my master. I follow him. I love him. I rest in him. And that's my life. And there's actually a huge amount of freedom in that. I don't have to be God. I don't have to figure everything out. I don't have to make my life work. I get to follow him. We get to see who he is. Another sort of way we understand this sort of commitment, this sort of free commitment, is in marriage, right? Where two people freely choose to give themselves to each other for the rest of their lives. That this is actually, uh, that they're free, they don't have to do this, no one's forcing them to do this, but for the sake of love, they give up their freedom because they truly want to. They want to commit and love for life. So the thing though is, this is, the, this is where the dilemma comes in now. What happens when this slave who's freely chosen to go back and be a slave of the master, what happens after a year, after two years, after five years, after 10 years, and he doesn't really feel like it anymore? He's kind of a bit sick of it. He doesn't feel like serving his master. He doesn't feel like caring for the animals or whatever jobs he had to do. He's kind of feeling like just sort of breaking out and going and doing what he wants. So maybe he's a bit afraid of that. So he says, well, I guess I just have to do this now. This is, just, this is just the law, and I just have to follow the law, so I'm just stuck here. What does he do? What do we do if we've said we, we're going to follow Christ? We, we've come to Jesus. We see who he is. We've given our life to him. What do we do after years of doing this, and it's getting hard, and it's not that fun? And, and, and sin or sort of just giving up is kind of tempting. So then we go back and say, well, I guess I just have to because I guess it's the right thing to do. What, what do we do in that situation? What do we do if there's a husband or a wife who, who's committed themselves to marry someone, but then it's been five years, it's been 10 years, and, and they're not really feeling love anymore? They don't really feel like being together anymore. They kind of just feel like giving up or just going being with somebody else. Or they kind of just think, well, I guess, again, this is the law. I guess I just have to do this. I guess I gave up my freedom. What do we do in those situations? What the slave does is remembers the hole in his ear. When the slave doesn't feel like serving his master, he remembers, actually, I was free. And I chose this. And I chose this because I love my master. My master has everything that I want. He has everything I desire. This is where my family is. This is the life that I want. I actually want to serve him. I've just forgotten that. And I get to, even though I might not feel like it, this is what I truly want. And that's what we get to do when we're following Jesus. We might be following him for a while and we're finding it difficult. We're kind of a bit, a bit maybe over it. It's a bit hard. We remember that, that we have pierced our ears and become slaves of Jesus. We have given him our lives. And we've done that because we love him. We've done that because he is the true master. We've done that because he has everything we desire. We've done that because we truly believe what he says, that there is life in him and there's life nowhere else. 
that he is the true Savior, that he is the true Lord, and that we cannot find any, anywhere else what he actually has. And we remind ourselves of that and say, this is actually what I want. I might not feel like it right now. It might just be kind of hard, but actually what I truly want is to follow Jesus. He is the true king. He is the good king. He is the true master. The, the husband or the wife that, that doesn't feel like it anymore, they don't they feel like loving their spouse, they remember their wedding day and say, actually, I freely chose it. I want to love my wife. I want to love my husband. I remember and then choose to love from that place. This, is, this option one right leads back to slavery. I said option two leads back to slavery, but remembering the hole in the ear is actually the freedom to love. And, and when it's getting hard to remember that this is actually about love, I'm actually free to give and love. Again, this, this probably sounds strange in, in some ways because we, we, we value individualism so much. And we value the freedom of the individual. And, and we live in a democracy, right? But what, what we believe as Christians is that we actually live in a kingdom. That we, we don't fundamentally live in a democracy. We live in a kingdom. And there's a king. And it's Jesus. That the man who was on the cross rose again is, is the true king. And we are his servants and his slaves. But that's actually the best place to be. This is how Mark Sayers talks about it in one quote. He says this, We are people who give up our autonomy, not to unjust rulers or authorities, but to the one true king, the one good king, the king who has taken all of our rebellion, our sin, our injustice upon himself. We lay our authority and autonomy down at the feet of the king with scars. And there's actually a heap of freedom in doing that, which says, we are not God. We are not the king. We don't have to figure everything out. We get to lay our life down and follow Jesus, the true king, the risen savior, the one who has everything we desire and need. And we will fail and we will, we will stuff up on our journey of doing that. But he is full of grace and forgiveness and love. And we get to grow as we follow him from this place of freedom and love. So I don't know where you're, where you're at tonight. I'm like Maybe tonight you're just hearing about Jesus for the first time and, and this is just an opportunity for you to just believe him. Believe that he actually is the king. That he actually did die for us and rose again. And he has life and we can know him and be in his kingdom. And we just believe. Maybe this idea of being like a slave for Christ or actually following Jesus is, is new and, and, and you're thinking, no, I haven't had my ear pierced. Like, I haven't, I haven't actually given up my freedom to follow Jesus. And maybe today, tonight's tonight to think, to think about that. Like, where else is there life? Who else is there to follow? He, he is the true master. He is so good. And there's so much in him. And this doesn't look like, right, like an awesome, amazing life that we would think about. If you look at Paul's life in the New Testament, and there was sufferings and, 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 and beatings and pain, but so much joy and peace in the midst of it because he knew that Jesus is working through him. Jesus is bringing his kingdom through him. He knows it's not about me, it's about Jesus, and there's so much freedom in that. Maybe, though, maybe, maybe you've, you've done that. Like, you've believed in Jesus. You, you live as his apprentice. You live as his slave. You've had, your, you've had your ear pierced, but it's just getting tough, right? Like, it's just hard at the moment. Like, you, you're just not really feeling it. The idea of following him is, is just kind of hard. The temptation is, I just want to go sin. I just want to do whatever I want. 
Or maybe it's like, oh, I've just lost the passion, so now I just need the law. I just need to force myself and motivate myself. And maybe tonight is just an opportunity, especially some of these songs that we're going to sing in a minute, just awesome, just link in with this. Maybe tonight is just a night to, to remember, when did you first hear about Jesus? Like, why did you believe in him? Why did you pierce your ear? Why, why did you decide to follow him? Remember when you were baptized? Remember when you gave your life to him? Remember that you freely did that. Why? Because you love him. Because you saw him. Because you recognized, realized that actually you want to follow him. You might not feel like it at the moment, but, but you're free. You can tap into that freedom and that choice and that freedom to love and keep going, even when it's hard. Not have to go to sin or to law, but to stay free. So you might be in one of those places, or, or maybe you're just, you're just sort of loving God and just following God, and you can just praise him, and that's awesome. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing some songs and then, and then finish up for the night as well. So I just encourage you to sort of just think through some of that stuff and, and respond as, as we sing. So Father, we just thank you so much that, that you value our freedom, but thank you so much, God, that we actually have the freedom to love, that we don't have to stay in this sort of place of individualism or just sort of protecting ourselves, that we can actually give up our rights and give up our lives for you, Jesus, and that, that, that's actually like a joy and just a, just a place of freedom that we just get to follow you and serve you and love you. It's not about us, it's about you. And I just pray, Jesus, that, that you would just meet us tonight. Lord, those of us who, who maybe don't know you, Lord, would you reveal yourself to us? Lord, those of us maybe haven't decided to follow you, Lord, would, would you draw them? God, those of us who maybe be discouraged, God, would you remind us when we first saw you? Would you remind us of our first love for you? You would remind us of the joy we had in giving our lives for you. And would you help us sustain that place of freedom and joy and service? And God, we just pray and, and just thank you, Lord, for the people here, God. Thank you, Lord, for the devoted followers of you. Thank you for this community that gets to know you, the true King, and follow you. And we just pray, God, that your kingdom would come, Lord, that, that your will would be done in our lives. Jesus, that you would reign, that you would be exalted. So just give ourselves to you in your name, Lord. Amen.